0: Let's look at Matthew 25. Turn with me in your Bibles there. If you've got your Bibles with me, otherwise you can look on your phone or on your tablet and uh, or on the screen. Chapter 25. The background, the history there. The first, par- the first few verses, one through 13, is a parable of the ten virgins, and it's really uh, uh, this, these virgins are waiting. For the bridegroom to come and they were supposed to have their lights lit and they needed oil to keep the light going and it's the parable that that we cannot let our oil run out. The idea is that Jesus is returning and we must be ready. We need to live ready. And the truth is, is that Jesus is going to return. Amen? Just like Josh was saying, you know, you look at the book of Revelation when pandemic hits. Well, the truth is, is that the Lord is going to return. We call it our blessed hope, and it's something we look forward to, and we believe that it's going to happen soon. And in verses 1 through 13, again, the master, the the bridegroom is coming, right? And then in verses 14 through 30, the parable of the talents hits us. And what we see is not only is the bridegroom coming, that's Jesus, but he will take an account of everything in our lives. There will be an accounting of our doing. And yes, you'll be forgiven, You'll make it into heaven, right? If you've given your heart to Jesus, you trust in Him, uh, if you've asked for forgiveness. But there will also be an accounting in heaven, apparently. Actually, it says that this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And that's the kingdom on earth and in heaven, the here and now. And the truth is, is that heaven, for us, it will look different for every single one of us in regards to our reward. And even on this side of eternity, our reward looks different according to how we handle what God has given us. Today is a parable about stewardship. And without further ado, let's look at it. Matthew chapter 25, starting verse 14. It says this, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to one two, and another one, each according to his ability. Then the master went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But the one who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master." And he who also had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered two talents here and I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master he also had the, the one where that received one talent came forward and saying, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not sc- scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested your money with the bankers. And in my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who had ten. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he who has an abundance. But from the one who has, uh, who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this story would come alive this morning through the foolishness of preaching, but uh, alive in our hearts and in our lives. Help us to be able to apply this. And Lord, we just give you the praise and the glory for what you're doing on this Mission Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There are a few things that really stuck out to me this week as I really got my mind around the parable of the talents. And the first is this, and it's pretty clear, but let's just state the obvious, that God owns it all right? In the story, the master is Jesus, right? He entrusts three servants with his property in verse 14. And the owner of, in the story has the rights over those talents. Some of your Bibles might say the bag of gold or a bag of silver. In a talent, it depends where you look in, in uh, commentaries, there's a, a variety of different ideas of how much was a talent. Well, the, the range in today's dollars was between between twenty thousand dollars and fifty thousand dollars, so this is no small sum. If it was twenty thousand for the one, it'd be twenty thousand dollars, and then forty thousand, and then a hundred thousand for the one with five talents. If it was fifty thousand dollars on the higher end, that means fifty thousand for the one talent, one hundred talents for the two, or, or one hundred thousand dollars for the two, and two hundred and fifty. Thousand ra- dollars. The reason I'm saying that is that this was a lot of responsibility, and each servant became the caretaker of that property. In the story, they couldn't just go off and ha- you know go on vacation or pay for their own bills or buy a new car. It'd be similar to like you going down to the bank and saying, "Hey, I'm going to entrust my paycheck and put this in the bank." That bank teller can't go and go out to eat with your money. Otherwise, that's fraud. We understand that. And the same is true in this story. I was thinking about it. How does this relate in regards to parenting? How many parents do we have in the room? Come on, all the parents. Let me see your hands. Yeah, we got lots of parents. Well, we understand this principle that the Lord gives us our kids, and we are responsible for our kids to a certain extent, aren't we? Right? And when we are raising kids and your kids are in your house, our kids have stuff, but they really don't own anything. Come on, can I, can yeah, I see some of the dads saying, yes, that's so true, right? And it is true, right? The phone that your son or daughter, even if they bought it themselves, does not belong to them. It belongs to you as the parents. That's the truth. Their TV, their computers, even... Yeah, come on. I know. Don't get rowdy now. Uh, But but even my son, he bought his own car. And I've told my son many times, I said, Logan, you paid for this car, but you're living under my house, and that car belongs to me. And I know that might seem extreme to some if you're not used to thinking in those terms, but that's what is happening. That is the truth, and we do it with love, right? But we are the owner's parents, right? We are the ones that are responsible, and we must be involved. We need to know our kids, and, and, uh, and I've got other things in my notes that probably would be too embarrassing to say, so I'll just uh, we'll, we'll pass up on that. Let's get back to the parable. God owns it all. God owns it all. And I know what some of you are thinking, but yeah, you know my paycheck, I worked hard, 40 hours, and, and uh, I earned that. That is mine. And I would argue and say, no, the Lord is the one that provided the work. And even if you earned the funds, it still belongs to the Lord. Your car belongs to the Lord. Your house belongs to the Lord. Your savings account, your retirement, it's all the Lord's. It's not my time or my treasure or my talents. Look what Psalm 24 verse 1 says. It says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, everything is the Lord's. The world and those who dwell therein. In other words, everything is God's. And if you need proof that that's true, let's just answer the question together. When you came into this world, you had nothing. And when you leave this world, I was just at a funeral yesterday, you leave with nothing. That's because God is the owner of it all. There's a second thing in this parable that is really significant, is that God gives each of us talents. We already established that in this story, a talent was a significant portion of money. And the talents were to be used for the master's benefit. But what's interesting to me in the parable of the talents is that the measure for each of the servants was different. It was not the same. And for me, if I was the one giving out talents, I probably would have said, all right, each person gets the same. But that's not the way it works. It may seem like it's not fair. How many of you have ever read this story and thought, man, yeah, why didn't they all get the same, right? It's not, it doesn't seem fair. But then you start thinking about life and you start thinking about the gifts that we have and the benefits. Not everyone is endowed with the same benefits. Am I right? There are some people that are short and others that are tall in stature. There are some that are athletic and coordinated and have a measure of strength and others that are not so coordinated. And that's okay. There are some with a high IQ, others with a higher uh, EQ, an emotional quotient. There are some that really understand knowledge and, and are, gain knowledge quickly and others that struggle. There are some that seem to just have perfect health, that they just seem to skirt all these things and where others will, will struggle and even uh, you know, pain that, that is you know, chronic and just ongoing. And it doesn't seem to, to be fair. There are some that are born with disabilities, others that will uh, develop a disability or challenge, where others will, again, go through life without those hardships. There are some families that will be fertile, and uh, we've got a bunch of those here, and others that will struggle with infertility, and it doesn't seem fair. Some are creative and artistic, and others are doers, and others are detail-oriented, and others are entrepreneurial. We are all created different, and the thing I want you to know is that God gives us talents and abilities, but they're not the same, and it's okay. But we all have something to give. Don't think for a second that you can be replaced. No one can replace your contribution. But do you, have you ever wondered or wished that you were the five talent person in this story? Come on, let's be honest. Like, you're like if you're gonna dish out the talents, I mean, one is good. Choose better, but five sounds pretty good. Come on, who any? Anyone wish that you're the five, you yeah? And uh, I mean, I'm not saying you should say, "Yep, yeah, I am the five, although I believe we've got some five-talent type people. But but listen, I, I'm thinking, man, if I had to choose, I'm choosing five, right? And you say, well, how does that happen? How, how did that guy get that? Or how did that gal get the five? Well, it all boils down to stewardship. And that's what we see in the story. In verse 21 and in verse 23 in the story, it says, well done Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. So, church, God owns it all. God gives us all talents. Why? So that we can be good stewards of what he has given us. This uh, today is a message about stewardship. And I, w- I just want you to, to realize that you are a steward. In fact, say it with me I am a steward. Come on. I am a steward. I am accountable. I am responsible for everything. And of course, this parable is about money specifically, but it can apply to the words we say. You are accountable, you are responsible, you are a steward of your words. You are a steward of your actions and of your time and of your money, of course. And the truth is is that you and I will give an account for every word, every action, every even thought that we have uh, at the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this. says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. There's a day we will stand before the Lord. It will be like heaven's grandstand, and we will be standing there, and we will give an account. And some get more to take care of, and it seems to be linked to faithfulness. And, but actually, when we really study this, it's a story of stewardship and obedience. There's an obedient factor that we, I want to hone in here. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's look at the example of the guy with the one talent. It's the bad example, of course, but what happened? Well, he didn't obey what the master encouraged him to do, to invest, to put that money to work. And what we see in this story is that obedience is not optional. Obedience is not optional. God expects us to use what we have been given. This is a story of action. But some will say, well, I'm just going to play it safe, or I'm not as risky as someone else. And so I will wait, or I'll take the easy way, or I'll wait till I have one more. So if I got one talent, I'll wait till I have two before I get that going to work. Others will say, well, I, in, in your own lives, and you're saying, okay, well, I will work for the Lord, or I'll do what God has told me to do once my kids are gone and I've raised my kids. and, and Or I, I will wait for someone else to go first. or We have all of these excuses. And the truth is, is that when you and I fail to be a steward, no matter what season of life we're in, when you do nothing with what God has given, you fail as a steward. When you're lazy or you're just floating through and you're not doing what God wants you to do with your life, with your resources, with your time. In fact, I would be so bold to take it another step to say that it is a sin to not use what God has given you for His glory. Look what it says. Verse 26, you wicked and slothful servant. Speaking to the one that buried the talent. In verse 30, it says, cast him into that worthless servant into darkness. And this was for eternity, an eternal separation from the Lord. It can be that serious. On the other side, the person with the five and the person with the two, they were hard working, right? And it would have been easier for them to steal or to cheat or to sleep in or to sit back and let someone else do the work. But that's not what God called them to do. That's not what Jesus, the Master, was calling them to do. He was saying, look, go and get the money to work. And let me just remind you that you actually fail as a steward when you decide to do what's easy and say that's better, right? We're not called to easy. We're called to do what God has called us to do. But you say, well, well, you talk about failing as a steward. Well, what if I fail? What if, I, what if the guy with the one would have invested it and lost those funds? And certainly that's a possibility, and that's something we don't see in the story. But it was interesting, this week, Pastor Bobby, in his own study in his master's classes, he sent me one, one of the texts that he was reading in a little snippet, and I want to share this with you, and it kind of addresses this idea that what if you fail? What if you lose the funds, And look what it says. And I don't even know who this author was, but it doesn't matter. It says, the, the account God will ask of us is one of obedience. Everybody say, obedience, right? Not performance. That is, if the employees who invested the money had lost some of it, or even all of it, we can presume that the master would not have rebuked him, but appreciated the attempt to nurture the funds into something of greater value. The goal is not the amount of the return, but the obedient heart that is willing to make the investment. So when I read that, and I really think that that's an accurate depiction of who God is. Wouldn't you be that way with your own kids if they tried and failed? You're not going to just be like, oh, you're out. No, we lovingly help them and say, hey, we're going to try again. And the truth is, the pressure is off. It's like, all right, I've got freedom to try, freedom to get to work. And the question I have for all of us is, what are you doing with what you have now, today? What talents do you have? Because the truth is, I feel like it's my obligation to say, as your pastor, is that one day you will stand before the Lord and give an account of your stewardship, and the truth is, you will not stand by me, we're not going to go together, and you can't be like, yeah, that's my pastor, let's go, right? And for those of you that are in a solid family, you're saying, oh, that's my mom and dad, you know, we're, I've, I've got this, we're going, right? Or you say, hey, that's my church, I was a part of the Gateway Church, they're a missions church, I'm with them! And no, no, no what will happen is each and every one of us will give an account. That's what we see in this story. Each of us is responsible for ourselves. That's pretty sobering, right? One last thing. If you decide to do nothing, if you decide to be the one-talent person and you dig a hole and you bury. And what, the truth of the word here, and not only in this story, but the other places in Scripture, is that you will lose what you have. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, One freely gives, yet grows all the richer. How many want to be that side of things? I know I do, right? Although another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. The truth is, if you do not use it, you will lose it. It's the way of the universe, right? Think about your muscles in your body. If you stop using your muscles in your body, you will lose them. I was with my grandpa, and I shared a story about my grandpa last week, and. um, it's just, it keeps on going back to Zolden. And so, but anyway, I was with him three weeks ago now, and his neighbor next door is a 99 year old woman that is as strong and is as spunky as can be. In fact, she was uh, over for dinner the night that I was there for dinner, and I'm telling you, I would have thought she was 20 years younger than she actually was. And the thing that caught me and I commented she was wanting to serve and I'm like no Lorraine sit down let me serve you she's like oh no honey (laughs) and I'm like all right yes ma'am and uh but when she brought coffee for me after dinner she had a full cup of coffee and she was as smooth as can be giving me that cup of coffee wasn't shaking at all and I commented, I said, How in the world are you so uh, you know, strong and so active? And she literally went like this. She said, Son, I got, you got to keep moving and you got to work it out. She said, You got to work it out. I said, Okay, you got to work it out. And she literally works on it and is doing exercises at 99 years old. I'm going to be doing the same thing when I'm 99 because I want to live to 120. And I want to be nice and strong about that. Yeah. But it's true. If you are given a certain amount of energy and you don't use that energy, how many know you have less? How about with love? If you have a certain amount of love and you don't give that love, how many know you're not going to receive that back? The same is true with kindness. And and you could run just about anything through that. You reap what you sow. And with the measure or the effort that you give or that you use things, it will be given back to you. It's called the seed time and harvest principle. It's seen from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It's the way God works. So we want to use our talents, not just ignore them or bury them. I want to wrap this up, and then we're going to talk about the 20 for 20 here in a minute. As we wrap up, what is the most important verse in this story in the parable of the talents. For me, it was verse 19 that says this, Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. I just want that to sink in. Church, there will be an account. I said it earlier, kind of heaven's grandstand. There will be those there and you will stand there on your own and you will be judged. There will be an audit of your life. And if that's the case, if that's the truth, which I believe Scripture backs that up, the encouragement is to prepare now, look for opportunities to use your gifts and abilities to be called to action. That's why we brought love in action this morning, right? Right? There are things in this community that we all can participate in. And the thing is, I said earlier that when we are born, we have nothing. When we die, we have nothing. But that's actually not 100% true. Because what we do on this side of eternity for the king, for the kingdom of God, we actually will be rewarded for eternity. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 6. It says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Apparently, what you do on this side of eternity for the kingdom will be carried over and you will experience a greatness there there will be rewards on heaven or in heaven but also on earth now what we do for the kingdom will be credited for our eternity my wife's youth pastor actually his wife would often say to Jessica and when i was first married i heard this a lot Uh, That when you serve, when you do things as unto the Lord, it's like you're getting another jewel in your crown. How many of you have ever heard that kind of phrase, right? A jewel in your crown. And and I remember Jessica saying that a lot. And uh, the idea that, you know, there's this crown that we're going to have and our crowns will look different according to what we do on this side of eternity. And if we're going to invest in anything, should we invest in something for 60, 80, 100 years, or for eternity? I think we should invest in both, but, uh, but uh, the Lord, He will help us, uh, especially for those things for eternity. Now, you may be here this morning and say, man, I've really blown it. I have missed opportunities, and uh, I would just say we've all missed opportunities when it comes to the kingdom um, and I don't think we should get depressed and look back. And let's just, you know, we've said we're putting 2020 in the books, right? We've missed opportunities there, I'm sure. And I think the challenge is that we all need to seize the day looking forward and beyond and saying, Lord, help us in this time. Because the truth is, if we don't, we end up living unto ourselves. And when you live for yourself, I would say it's a waste of a life. And I know that's hard, but there's nothing inspiring about living for yourself. The happiest, the most fulfilled people I know commit their lives to serving wholeheartedly people that are involved in and, and serving. And, and even that d- diagram earlier that Josh Bight were, was saying, that, you know, that when it's God and others and the volunteer, there's something supernatural that happens, and it's awesome when those things come together, and there's joy that comes with it. I believe the best way to live is with an open hand, being a steward of what God has given. And my encouragement is that we prepare now. We look for opportunities And we get busy. We put our money where our mouth is. We get action-oriented. And I believe that God, He blesses that. Amen? Amen. Amen. This morning, we want to lay out an idea. It's called 20 for 20. The Lord put this on our hearts as a staff, and then the missions board has looked at this, and this week the, uh, the full board... Uh, the Board of Elders and Deacons at the Gateway Church, we authorized what we're about to do. And I believe that it's what God wants us to do in this season. It's called 20 for 20, and what we're going to do in a minute is we are going to give every single one of you a little pamphlet for Project Rescue. We mentioned already that it is our 20-year anniversary, and our uh, we have an opportunity um, to uh, to bless Project Rescue, uh, to look at not only Project Rescue but other local and stateside opportunities with human trafficking, and we're going to get involved to the best of our ability. Uh, but for the next few weeks we want to give you this brochure about Project Rescue. And in this little packet, it's got a little card celebrating 2020. You can put that in your pocket or put it on your fridge and you know, let, or give this to somebody, invite someone to say, hey, come and join us this year. Uh, let's do that. But also, there's an envelope in there, Project 2020, 20 for 20, I should say, Project Rescue. And then there is a $20 bill for every single one of you. Now, don't worry, it's not real. It only can be spent on Sundays at Chick-fil-A. And, um, (laughs) no, just kidding. No, it's actually real. We're going to give every single one of you a $20 bill. And we're going to do that because we believe in you. And we are stewards of God's money. And we felt compelled to empower you to join us to do something in regards to the plight of women and children that need to be rescued, that need to be saved, need Jesus. And we believe that we can do more by spreading it out. And so the challenge is that over the next three weeks, leading up to February 21st, and on, this, uh, on your uh, envelope it says, you know, return this on February 21st, and uh, we are going to celebrate for the first time the first of four big celebration Sundays celebrating our 20 years of existence. We're going to partner that one, this one with Project Rescue, and what we want you to do is to take the parable of the talents, uh, that idea, and to multiply this 20 dollars in your life. Put it to work. Now, when we give it to you, it's yours. You can do with it whatever you feel the Lord is leading you to do. If you feel impressed to give it to someone or buy someone lunch and say, hey, my church gave this to me and I just feel like you know, I, I should do this, have at it. But I believe for many of you that the Lord is going to give you an idea of how to invest this over the next few weeks and see it multiplied. We were making a list of things, and we were saying, hey, you could buy a shovel and go shovel, and a $20 shovel turns into $100 by shoveling people's yards. Or you could make some really great coffee at your work and say, hey, I'm selling coffee for Project Rescue. Charge $2. That's half of what Starbucks does. And uh, you can take a $20 bag of coffee and turn that into 40 or $60, you could take, go and buy some baked goods and bake something and sell those goods. You could go thrift sh- store shopping and sell something on the marketplace for profit or on eBay. You could buy a bag of candy. This might work for some of the students. Take it to school. Sell those candy bars for Project Rescue. Pastor Bobby said he's buying lottery tickets. And I said, no, man, don't buy a lottery ticket. If there's anything you shouldn't do, that's worse than... Uh, anyway. anyway, I heard this week, I was sharing this with the elders uh, last night and some prayer warriors, and, uh, and that one of the ideas was that uh, there was a splitter that you could rent, and you could split some wood and then sell that for the camping season later this year and really multiply that, those funds. I love that. Make a craft and sell it. Do something for the Lord, uh, Pastor Rachel said she's like, "Hey, uh, I was given plasma, and she's like, maybe I'll put gas in my gas tank so I can get back and forth to where I give plasma, and I'll give if I give eight times in a year or in a month, it's like two hundred dollars or more. Twenty dollars in gas turns into twenty dollars." You say, all right, I'm starting to get it. And you say, well, I don't have anything I could buy or sell, or I'm not really good at that. Well, maybe you tuck this in your Bible where you do the devotions. And maybe out of your own budget, you craft another 20. So on February 21st, instead of 20, you bring 40. Or you bring 60 or $100 out of your own budget. Or maybe there's something in your house. My wife was saying, hey, there's stuff we can sell. We haven't used our Instant Pot in a long time. She's like, yeah, that's just not our strategy. We used to use it for a few times, but never really got into it. And she's like, Ben, can you sell this? I'm like, sure. We're going to sell that, and it's going to go to Project Rescue. The other night, we were on a a little date. Jessica and I were. And just, this will be the last story, and then we're going to empower you. Uh, We were out, and we We got Qdoba. We ate in our car at Target's parking lot. We went to Target, and then we went to Goodwill, and we're walking around in Goodwill, and we separate because I don't want to look at women's clothes like Jessica does, and so I'm just kind of moseying around, and I see these car mats, winter car mats that are kind of rolled up, and I'm like, hey, I think those are weather tech Car mats. Anybody know what WeatherTech car mats are? They're like the high end. You know, they're expensive. And I, I knew they're expensive. And I turned it over, and it said ten dollars. And I was like, well, I'll take that. And I'm carrying it. And they're kind of heavy. And I'm like, what in the world? And so I go get a cart, put it in the cart. and I come around to Jessica, and she's like, what in the world is in your cart? I'm like, they're, they're car mats. And she's like, what are you doing? And she knows me. I, I like to buy and flip things for missions anyway. And I'm like, I'm going to sell these for missions. And so she's like, all right. And so I get home, and I look on my phone on my, or on my eBay. Uh, uh, and I, and they, sure enough, they sell for about $200 new. And these things looked brand new. It said for a 2016 Toyota Corolla. Anybody have a 2016 Toyota Corolla? <laughs> It's too late, because last Saturday night, not last night, but the previous Saturday, I listed them on eBay for 100 bucks with $20 shipping, and they sold that night. And uh, for they, a little less, they offered me 80 I said, sure, I'll take it. And with the shipping, long story short, after all the fees, a $10.60 turned into just under $80 profit. Come on. And, it, and that was for missions, right? And so today, I'm going to take this $20, and I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to multiply it. And not only multiply it in my family, but that he'll do the same in yours. And some of you have families. Uh, Kevin, you're going to go home, your family, with $100 today. Or no, one, two, three, four, five. 2, 3, yeah, $100. And we're going to trust that with you. Others of you, 500 for your family. I mean, how many kids do you guys have? No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. And we're doing this with our elementary kids. They're going to do it for Team World Vision, uh, for raising money for clean water. And the rest of the church and the youth group are going to do it for Project Rescue for human trafficking. And we just believe that God's going to do some supernatural, awesome things. And we want you to be a part. I'm going to ask the Praise and Worship team to come. I've been meddling uh, long enough. And uh, I just believe that there's an idea to multiply to use your skills, use your abilities, clear out your closet, sell something for profit, get something to work, let that multiply, and let's see God do something supernatural. And what we're going to do is, Pastor Bobby's going to lead us in a song. Uh, the song is called Nothing Else, just a, really a song of surrender. It really is about putting Jesus first, that Jesus and blank, that it really describes that. And as we worship, as we close, you can just stay seated. We've got a couple guys that are going to come, and we're going to just give you one of these packets, and it's yours. And I want you to hold on to that, and at some point, Pastor Bobby will say to, to stand, and then we'll come back, and we'll close. But without further ado, Pastor Bobby, lead us. Amen. I want you to grab the packet that we gave you. I want you to just hold it in your hands. I just want you to understand that you are a steward of this resource. And I believe that if you ask the Lord to help you, you can put it to work, and it will multiply. We're going to see story after story, and we're going to talk about those over the next few weeks. When the Lord gives you an idea and there's a, a story that emerges, we want to hear about it. We want to know we, so we can share it. I just want to put the fear to rest that if you invest it into something and you lose the money, <laughs> it's okay. It's better to put it to work and lose that investment. Will, we could even try again rather than doing nothing. You can give this away. Give it in the name of the Lord. Tell, tell whoever you're giving it to. What, what we're doing, and I just believe that collectively, that the Lord is going to multiply our resource here. He's going to multiply it for His glory, for His honor. So let's just pray as we hold these together. Lord, we just ask that you would use us, give us ideas, creativity. Help us to sell something. Help us to work extra overtime to contribute out of our own. Lord, give us ideas for our families. Lord, our heart is that this would not be a burden, but it would just be joy-filled. And I pray that we'll have fun doing this. Lord, I pray that you would just be glorified in every story, every circumstance. And God, we just will give you the praise and all the glory for it. And, Lord, we just ask that you, in this season, would bless these stewards. Bless this church as a steward of your kingdom. And I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Go ahead and put your mask on before you leave, and we will see you out in the lobby. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from The Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.